my pleasure to be able to uh, serve you all this morning with the word. Um, you all have partnered with us. Uh, you all have supported us in the ministry, and we're thankful that we're able to provide some support for you all. And um, we're thankful for the work that you all are doing over in um, Congress Heights, and I pray that the Lord would bless it. Uh, today, I was, I, was, I was going to preach John chapter 18. I think I was going to. I was going to. I promise you. Like, even before I um, came here, I was tightening up, I was tightening up uh, John 18. But uh, my bad to the, to the team. I'm going to be in Joshua. I'm going to be in Joshua. It's an audible. It's an audible. I hope it goes okay. My wife will tell me afterwards. So turn to the book of Joshua. Turn to the book of Joshua. get this amen how fitting to be preaching Joshua with my brother Joshua is the past over here but how fitting also because of the because of the season you all are in uh, praise the Lord that he has um planted a church in Congress Heights amongst many other churches over here who are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's such a blessing that, he get, that the Lord would add to the number of churches over here that's seeking to save the lost. And not only seeking to save the lost, but seeking to build a community that encourages, encourages each other and strengthens each other, strengthens each other to finish the race well. This is a new work. This is you all's anniversary week. Y'all been partying all week. Hope y'all ain't stay out too late last night. And so I, I, I wanted to come to Joshua this morning because this afternoon, because Joshua is kind of in a somewhat similar stage as you all. Um, the, the, the Lord raised up a people and gave the people of Israel a promise that through them the world would be blessed, that they would, um, through them, they would be a great nation. And also he made them a promise that they would enter into a land. This is that's why it's called the promised land, where today, I mean, in modern-day Turkey, and it's in that area, and in the Bible it's called the, the Canaan, the land of Canaan. And so, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, God makes a promise that he's going to raise up a, a, a people that will be a blessing to the nations. He will give them this land. And in Exodus, these people, the Israelites, find themselves enslaved in Egypt. The Lord raises up Moses to deliver them from that slavery, and then they're supposed to make their trek to the promised land. So then you have in um, Deuteronomy, and you have in Leviticus, they get 
the laws on how to worship the Lord. In numbers, they, they find themselves rebelling against the Lord, and therefore God judged them by telling them that they had to roam in the that wilderness for 40 years. And then from after that 40 years, they now was given the a renew, they had a renewed covenant with one another and with the Lord, saying that they're going to obey the Lord, and then they're going to make their way into the promised land. So Joshua is now at the point where he and the Israelites are about to go into the promised land. Joshua was an assistant to, to, uh, to, to Moses. Joshua helped command the army that was fighting the Amalekites in Exodus. Joshua was with Moses when he received the law. Joshua was one of the persons who spied out the promised land and came back with a, with a good report, even though um, other people came back with a bad report. Joshua was a man of God. And the Lord had ordained Joshua to finish the work to take them into the promised land. So in Deuteronomy 31, we see this time in which, again, Moses is speaking about Joshua and telling Moses, be strong and courageous because you're going to be used to take this people into the land. And then now Joshua is now about to take the people into the land. So if you're at Joshua, do you, are you going to have it on the screen? Oh, sweet, 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 sweet. I am going to walk through the text. I'm going to do Joshua 1, and I'm going to skim through 2. And I pray that it blesses you all. So Joshua chapter, oh, my man Joshua right here, I know he gives you all points and notes and stuff like that, so I got something for you all too. Um, so we're going to look at, we're going to look at uh, God's captain, uh, we're going to look at God's commitment, we're going to look at God's commands, God's community, and then we're going to look at Christ. Okay. So first, let's look at God's captain. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I, will, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So first we're going to see, we see God's captain. Now, uh, Joshua is probably around 60 or 70 years old. Okay. 
And I told you that Joshua was Moses' assistant. Moses was the man. Moses helped deliver Israelites out of Egypt. The Lord used him to do mighty miracles, part the Red Sea, um, turn the sea, uh, turn one sea into blood. I mean, he did mighty miracles through Moses. Moses was a man of God. Moses was meek. Moses, Moses spoke to God and um, the Lord gave Moses his, his law, and, and, and Moses was a mediator between God and man. Moses was a powerful man of God. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Just like God promised. God promised Moses after he had um, sinned against the Lord by not treating him as holy, he told Moses that he would not enter into the promised land. Moses is dead. So then God, but God has another man in mind that's going to continue the work. And that man is Joshua. The BD ain't here. Mark Dever isn't here. T.D. Jenks ain't here if that's your speed. They're not here. The person who's here is the one who has been commissioned and ordained by the Lord. And right now, it's Joshua. And I'm praying the Lord will raise up more elders that they also will continue to assist this brother in the work. And you're already assisting this brother in the work. I, I heard about the Bible studies and, and the evangelism that all of you all are doing. But, you know, nowadays, people don't want leaders. Everybody just want to be, you know, I don't want to take nothing from nobody. I want to be my own person. But in the scriptures, God is okay with leaders. There have been leaders throughout the congregation of God's people. And so and you had prophets, you had kings, you have judges. And, and, and now in, in the New Testament, you have pastors and teachers, and they're called to lead. They're like the captains. That's supposed to set the example. Set the tone, lead the charge, lead the way. And the captain that you have at the moment is Joshua. But the, the work that Joshua and you all are supposed to do is not based upon your strength, but it's based upon the commitment of the Lord. In this same the section I read, notice that the reason that they're going to enter into the promised land is not because Joshua is so mighty. He's 80 years old. No offense if anybody's 80 years old. But it's not because he's so mighty and so strong. It's because he has a promise. It's because he has a commitment. A commitment from the Lord. And the Lord told them, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. The strength to do the work 
planting a church and seeing the gospel spread does not rely on a person or a personality or a slick strategy, but it's built on the promises of God. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates won't, hell won't prevail. And he said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, he's not telling you I'm with you always just to say, okay, I'm going to be beside you. He's saying I'm with you always so that you can know that you're going to succeed. He's not with you just to walk alongside you. He's with you to empower you to do the work, to complete the mission. And you have a promise that he's going to do the work. He's going to do the mission. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We can't get bogged down with what we don't have, what we don't see. What we have is the promises of an almighty, omniscient, powerful, faithful, reliable God. And we have that commitment. You have that commitment at Congress Highest Community Church. You have a commitment. You also have commands also. This is where we have to live out the balance of, of, of knowing God's promises and then living based upon God's promises. You have commands to go and take hold of the promise and to see the reality and the outworking of that promise. This is a command. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You all already studied it. Y'all probably could tell me better than I could read it. But in Acts, what's a successful church? Is it a building with AC? Is it great music? Is it a big budget? What is a successful church? What does that look like? I believe you all already studied the book of Acts. And in Acts, you all saw what they were doing in the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 
to 47. I'll just read it again. This is a successful church. And they were devoted, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a successful church. You're committed to the faithfulness of God's word, the apostles' teaching, you're committed to doctrine, you're committed to fellowshipping with one another, you're being unified, one heart and one mind, soul and one love. You're caring for one another through your giving and through other benevolent ways. And people are being saved. And people are adding to their number. Day by day doesn't mean it has to be every single day. But it's continual. You will be seeing people saved. Now, it may not be in your generation. It may be in the, not be in the next generation. And that's why we plant churches and that, that's why we have other pastors on staff that can continue the work. Because the work doesn't die with one person. It may be in generations to come, but if this church stills here and it's faithful, this is what a successful church will look like right here. People being saved, church being united, people being generous with one another, giving themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's a successful church. And now in Joshua, he tells them, how do you have good success? How do you prosper? How do you have good success as a successful church? Be strong and courageous. Now, there's other things he can say, and, and he's, it's not saying don't be loving and don't be hospitable and don't be kind and don't be gentle. But the context, sometimes the context makes you emphasize certain characteristics. If my, if my kids are about to have some, try and make some new friends, I'll say, okay, listen, you got to be wise. If somebody's about to go on a job interview, interview I'll say, okay, be sharp. And if you're about to go to war, I say, listen, you got to be strong. You got to be courageous. And we're in a spiritual war. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And he does not want to give them up easily. But he can't hold on to them for too long. Because you have a promise that people will be saved. So then based on that promise, you, all, you must do something. Be strong. Don't be timid. Don't be weak. Don't vacillate. Don't back down. And be courageous. In the face of fear, keep moving forward. Now, we know that we're human beings, and we know that there will be times when we get frightened and that when we get dismayed and that we get down. That's human. But you know when that has gone too far, 
when you know when that has creeped into sin, when that keeps you from being obedient. So it's okay to be down and it's okay to be a little frightened at times, but do not let those fears or being down or dismayed keep you from the, doing what God has called you to do. That's what it means to be strong and to be courageous. It's to keep pressing on when it gets difficult, when it looks daunting. Joshua was old. They had a river to cross. The people that was in the land was not trying to give up that land easily. There were giants in the land. There were many, there was a pagan nations. Around here, there are people who don't want to hear about Jesus. And there may be some things that may happen that might be scary and that make you not want to go out on the block to evangelize. There may be weaknesses inside of you. Say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. It's not my natural bent. Be strong. Be courageous. Go forth with the base on the promise the Lord was with you. Be strong, be courageous. That's for good success. And another thing for good success, he said, and meditate on my word. And be careful to obey what I've commanded you. You cannot know what to do if you do not know God's word. And you cannot know how to do what to do. Yeah. You cannot know how to do what you're supposed to do if you do not know God's word. And he tells them, you have to be in your scriptures. You have to be in your word. The word has to be on your lips, in your mind, in your heart, directing your paths. The word has to be on your lips. What you're saying is not the, the wisdom of this world. You're speaking God's word. And when we're living according to God's word, speaking God's word, letting the word be a delight to our, a light to our feet and to our path, that's good success. That's the path to good success. So I know you all have Bible studies. Go to them. Go to your Bible studies. Get in God's word together. In your quiet times at home, read your Bible, study it, meditate on it, speak God's word to one another. And when you are living according to God's word, when you're being strong and courageous, there's a promise of good success. We have a captain, we have a commitment, we have a command, and we also have a community. So look at the next verses. It says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, 
the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall, and, and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the charge, beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, and, and all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he is with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Here you have a community. God gives a community to work together for the advancement of the gospel. These tribes had already received the land that Moses had told them that they would receive on this, on the east side of the Jordan. But Moses also told them, you can't get settled here until your brothers, until the rest of Israel receive their promised land, until they have rest. God gives us a community to work together to do the work. We cannot do the work independently, not independent, not with just one individual or not with just one local church. That's why I'm grateful for the partnership that Congress Heights has with Anacostia River Church and Mercy of Christ Fellowship Church and the partnership that it has with this church. And I hope that it builds more partnerships in the community so that this gospel can go forth with, with churches unified. And there must be unity within the church. You all should be encouraging each other spurred each other on to love and good works to go and see God's promise fulfilled and seeing the gospel spread and seeing souls saved. It's a community project. And again, notice, notice how the community encourages their leader. They tell Joshua, they tell Joshua, listen, be strong and courageous. We will follow you the same way we follow Moses, but be strong and courageous, Joshua. And one thing your leaders need, one thing Joshua needs is for you all to continue to encourage him. To tell him, Keep up the fight. Don't get discouraged. Don't let your arms down. Don't let your guards down. Stay strong. Stay courageous. Walk by faith and not by sight. We have to be encouraging our brother and encouraging each other. We have to strengthen each other with God's word. And we all have to be committed to following God's word. 
And when we do that, we know that God saves. And he saves through Christ. Look at Joshua 2, and I'm going to conclude. Joshua chapter 2. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True. The men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. These words, small, hold up. Yeah, verse 5. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the man went out. I do not know where the man went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in, her, in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, who you devoted to destruction. Verse 11, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Verse 12, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you made us swear. And she, verse, 23, verse 21. And she said, according to your word, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned, and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. 
They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has given all the land into your hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Trying to do this quickly. Here we see the Lord saves. And he saves the most unlikeliest people. The command was to go and to really to, to make sure that nobody in this community, nobody inside Jericho, they were supposed to be devoted to destruction because they were rebellious and wicked and godless people. And their influence upon God's people will cause them to turn away from the Lord. So, he, so the Lord demanded that they be destroyed because of their godlessness. And this was exhibited in earlier on when they fought the kings of Sihon and Og on the other side of the river. It was a godless nation that rebelled against the Lord, that wanted to fight against Israel, but they were no match for Israel because the God, the true and living God, was on the side of Israel. And that's always a losing battle. And so they were destroyed, and word got to the people inside of Jericho's walls that the Lord parted the Red Sea, that the Lord had destroyed these nations. And so their hearts melted with fear. She said, this prostitute who was living a life of sin, who also was worshiping false gods, this prostitute heard of the power of the true Lord and how he was mighty and how he destroyed his enemies. And she became fearful. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. So people, people in the world, and, and, and we were, at one point, we were in the world living our own ways, right? Living by devices of our own sin and, 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 and doing everything we wanted to do. And we had no fear of God whatsoever. But then somebody came to us with God's word. And we found out that God is loving, that God is gracious, and God is good. But we also found out that God is a judge. And God pours out his wrath on people who love their sin and hate his ways. And our hearts melted. And we became fearful. And we're supposed to preach the love of God when we go out the doors. But the love of God is seen in, in him deciding not to pour out his wrath on certain people. So we have to tell people about the wrath of God. Why is the world out here and doing everything they want to do? Because they have no fear of God. That's the reason. So people need to know about the majesty and the justice of God. 
in how he is a lawgiver and he will execute his law. But they also need to know that God is a savior. So you have Rahab, this prostitute, whose heart melted because, guess what? She, for some reason, she knew this ain't going to go right for me. If I stay in this land, in this land of destruction that's doomed for destruction, then I'm going to die in this place along with the rest of the people because nobody is a match for the Lord. And so now she thinks, um, hmm, I need to make a different decision if I want to live. And God wants people to live. God is a savior. And so she, so she, she says, listen, so, so this is what happens. The spies come into her, to her place. And she hides them. And she even somewhat tells a lie to get the, the people, to get the people who are trying to pursue them to distract them. Now, it may appear like a lie, but it's, it's a war tactic. You know, when, when you're in war, there, there are different rules of engagement. Or let me tell you, like, let me tell you like this. If somebody comes into my house seeking to rob my family and says, where's your wife? And she's in the back room, I'm going to say she's at 7-Eleven. She ain't here. And that's protecting that's on the side of doing what is right and what this prostitute was doing is she's now aligning herself on God's side that's what she's doing she says I'm no longer fighting against God I'm going to start fighting with God the spies were in there undercover that's somewhat lying too you would think but no not when you're in a war so she became on the side of the spies. Her heart was melted, and she wanted to be saved. And the people said, you know what? Because you've come on the side of God, because your heart has been melted, there's salvation for you. There's salvation for you. So they tell her, you put this scarlet rope outside the wall, and if you stay in this wall, if you stay here and if you don't tell the spies, if you don't, if you don't turn back and now give us up, but you get your family in here and you stay in here and we see this rope, then you'll be saved. But if you don't, you and your family would die as well. The story goes, if you look further in Joshua, that she does what she's supposed to do. She doesn't give them up. She puts the scarlet robe out. She hangs it outside the wall, and she's saved. And, and she's brought into the covenant community of God. And I, I have to tell you that there's something that's greater than the rope that hanged outside the wall. But Jesus hung on a cross. Jesus, the perfect son of God, the one who who brings salvation to all who call on his name. The one sent by God to deliver people from their sin and from their damnation and to bring them into a better promised land, to bring them into heaven. 
This Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He spent time with tax collectors. He spent time with prostitutes. He spent time with the least of these, telling them that salvation was for them if they would have their hearts melted and they would repent of their sins and trust in him. And how would they be saved? Well, they won't be saved by their upbringing. They won't be saved by their occupation for sure. They won't be saved by their good works. They're saved by placing their faith in the son of Jesus. The one who lived the perfect life, who died on the cross, the one who took their guilt so that they could be found guiltless. He died on the cross, took their guilt, took their shame so that all who trust in him would be saved and brought to eternal life. Okay, so you're a sinner. You're feeling guilty. And you know you're guilty. You know you've done wrong things. God is a holy judge. He will judge you. He will not let you off the hook. Even if you have been able to skirt around the court system, or even if you have been able to get around your, your family's house and, and them not see what you do, God knows what you have done. And he will judge that. But you don't have to die for that. Jesus died for that for you. He took the wrath of God for you. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. Trust in him. And just like this prostitute was saved and brought into the family of God, so will you. She put that scarlet cord outside of her window on a hope and a whim. She didn't know if those spies were going to turn on her. But God is faithful. And God has said, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is faithful. The cross and the resurrection proves it. And that's the message that you must believe to be saved. And that's the message you must preach that, might, that will go out and, and, and save those who are lost. Got to preach Christ. If you do that, because you have a captain who's following the Lord, because you have a commitment from the Lord, if you walk in obedience according to his commands, if you walk and live in community, and if you preach a Christ that saves, you will have good success. You will have good success for the glory of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have precious promises in your word. That sustains us, that keeps us, that energizes us, that, that protects us, and that pushes us forward to do the work that you have called us to do. Lord God, we don't believe that this church was planted here in our own, in, in Joshua or Rick or Sean's or uh, Brock's um, own doing. We believe that this was on the heart of God, on your heart. We believe that you planted this church here. And now we're believing that and trusting that you will build this church. Lord, help us to be strong and courageous. 
Help us to not turn to the right or to the left, but to follow your ways. Help them to follow your ways and grant them good success, Father. And Father, I pray that if there's someone in here today who feel the weight of their sin, who know that if they were to die tonight, they would enter into eternal damnation, who know that they are not on good terms with you, I pray that they would see the salvation of the prostitute Rahab as, as a salvation that can belong to them because of the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I pray they would put their trust in Jesus. I pray they would be united to this family I pray that they would also go forth in power, telling the world of the great mercy they've received in the Lord. Guard our steps. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.